Thank you. Hi, yep. I say this is the morning podcast with Jacob and Ethan. Sunday this Eve. is hell. Breakfast is Hell podcast. I'm your host. Go fuck yourself. Uh, another solo podcast. Recording in Ethan's house. But there's no Ethan. So. Drinking some coffee. I ate some onions already. Already ate my onions from the morning. The obligatory morning onion. Eat a morning onion, you'll never die. What mom always told me. Alright, well, you know we're going to talk about the pandemic. You know we're going to talk about the election. We're going to talk about something fun. We're going to talk about something fun today. What I got to do, I got to check in. I got to check in on everyone's two favorite topics. I know they don't want to hear about it from me. They already have their information silos. What good am I? I'm just another talking head to them, and I'm not going to regurgitate the things they want to hear. So what value does my information have? But I'm still going to give it. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give you that information. Straight to your dog. All right, so uh, let's talk about what I really care about with the election. Been putting a lot of money still in the betting markets because there's still all these Trump people keeping Biden's down odds down around 85%. So I've been going heavy. Look, after after fees, you know, maybe I'm making 100 here, 100 there. But hey, I ain't going to sniff at 100 bucks, you know? I ain't going to sniff at 100 bucks. Yeah, I'll put off 800 on Wisconsin, make an $80 profit out of that. Woo-hoo. I mean, look, these legal challenges going nowhere, obviously. Uh, one thing I've gotten tired of, though, is look. And maybe I've learned something from this. If you's a dumb motherfucker, surround yourself with smart friends. Because your smart friends... Who eat your shit will justify your dumb shit. All anyone need to do watching those first two press conferences after the election was to realize that Trump was a sore loser, that he had filled out the writ of execution of a rigged election without any evidence of the crime. And I got all these people, I know all these smart people who I thought were smart, maybe they're still smart, I don't know. Maybe smart people are the dumbest people truly. Um, they were telling me, oh, we got to investigate these massive accounts of fraud. Da, 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 da. There are no large-scale credible allegations of fraud. It's not like I'm against investigating fraud, people, but there's nothing to investigate. Just because this man says there's got to be fraud because he's a sore loser doesn't mean there's credence to the idea. Get him out! He's almost gone. And all these liberal fuckheads who think, rah, 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 he's leaving, he's getting out. Biden's gonna install some loyalists. Hold up, I gotta open a window. 
burning wood in here for warmth. And I'm not trying to die of carbon dioxide. I can. There's getting kind of stiff. Gotta open up a window. So there's that. Um, then there's the pandemic. And I have lost a bet today. Because I bet a couple months ago that by the end of this week we would we'd have lockdown 2.0 here in the States. And I I was right! On all my predictions, I said the ICUs will be full by this point. The ICUs will be full. We'll be nearing 200,000 cases a day. But that's not enough. That's not enough. Because about eight months ago, a man who somehow attracted the following, shall we say, of a cult, said that things should not ever be closed down. And so we're not closing them down. So my best guess at this point is that we are looking at, once we start getting news reports of people dying in emergency rooms, that's when I think we'll finally get to a lockdown. I don't think it's going to be beforehand. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of positive news on the freaking front. Here's the, oh man, I'm a numbers guy, as I've said on this podcast before. I'm a numbers guy. I've been following the data from day one. I called the pandemic. I sat and grabbed my diamond's kitchen and I told, I told Ethan and Maggie, I said, look, look, they're saying 25 to 50% people will be infected without anybody getting patients. Okay? 1% death rate, including asymptomatic cases. I said this. I said this pre-March and no one believed me. Nobody believed me. I've been right every step of the way. I said July 4th time. I said this is the beginning of when it gets bad. I said in March, oh, when it gets bad here, it's just New York. No one believed me. And you know, here's what people do. People say shit to themselves and make themselves feel better. Oh, it's going to go away. Oh, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. Oh, after Trump loses and Trump loses, I bet it just disappears. And you know what? It's real. It's real. And when people tell themselves bullshit, when they find their bullshit to be false, then they lose their fucking minds! Everybody I'm around's all convinced they're gonna die. They're all convinced they're gonna die. Um, or the young people. The young people calling everybody pussies. Young people calling everybody pussies because they don't want to go out. And look. Let's take, we're doing off. Uh, just give me a minute. I'll, I'll move it off. But let's take the rational view. Facts on the ground are is that we're looking maybe somewhere around 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 mortality rate at this point. Significantly improved outcomes for patients. Uh, a lot of positive advances in the causes of medicine. Uh, we've got not, not just the experimental shit. Like we know steroid treatments work well. We know ventilators are a last resort at best. They tend to result in uh, worse outcomes for patients. We know that a significant portion of uh, deterioration in patients is caused by an autoimmune response to the virus. An over-exuberant response of the immune system. 
we know how it spreads. It's mainly respiratory spread, uh, especially in context of close proximity. We know so much more, which to me justified. I just want to say, look, we had we didn't know this shit back in March. You know, and if we had had what we have right now, imagine if we didn't lock down in March, we might have been having this midsummer, early summer, this kind of moment and the spike. And we'd really be fucked. But we're not fucked right now. We've learned so much more. Right, so many positive things have happened. And personally, I don't think that there should be a need to lockdown 2.0. I do not think lockdown 2.0 was a foregone conclusion. And I do not like the idea of extended lockdowns. I'm anti-extended lockdown. I'm anti the idea of thinking that uh, a disease for which there's a mortality rate of 1%, including asymptomatic cases, even at the beginning of its uh, pandemic existence. Uh, it necessitates lockdowns when effective clinical treatments have been found. So I'm not, I'm not always locked down. There are, there are plenty of ways for you to die. COVID is one of them. I was, however, pro-lockdown in the case of a disease about which we knew practically nothing, especially relative to treatment. And I'm also pro-lockdown right now in the case of where, uh, well, we've taken no measures to effectively mitigate the spread, and so now everything is barreling toward the conclusion of people dying in emergency rooms. And that's how I see it. Bars are still open. People, was it fucking villains today? People wearing their mask below their noses. People have the mask on the chin. Old people walking out without the mask. And I hope they die. I hope they get it and die. I don't want people to die. But you know what? If you're going to be an ignorant fuck, please die for me. That's what. That's how I feel. If you're going to be an ignorant fuck, please die. Um, I don't need your bullshit. Oh, but one guy eight months ago said masks are for pussies. So now they're for pussies. The only pussy liberals wear masks! Ah! You know, it didn't, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. But we had widespread mask usage and an effective contact tracing system. If we had limited gatherings on large numbers and ensured that in places of drink and beverage service, adequate spacing between patrons and groups of patrons. This fucking shit would not be happening right now. But we couldn't do it. We just couldn't fucking do it. And so now we're going to have to do another lockdown. And then the funny thing is, it's the people who are opposed to another lockdown. It's because of them that another lockdown is going to become necessary. But and now, you know, and then uh, back to the people who are full of bullshit, though. I was getting somewhere with that. And all these people who told themselves it was just going to go away, go away after the election. I tried to talk to these people. I say, man, look at that vaccine data. Look at that. We Look at that sweet, sweet, sweet vaccine data. I mean, we were, we were looking at 75% efficacy at a, a uh, top-line scenario, at a best-case scenario. And we're staring down the barrel at 90 uh, kind of a, on the forefront of medicine. One of the great achievements of medicine in, in modern history is this vaccine. And people are still fucking afraid. 
They think this thing can't be beat. We have all this fucking, all these improved methods of treatment and people think if they get it, they're definitely dying. Four and a half, around 0.6% death rate, even including asymptomatic cases. So what I'm trying to say is, there's lots of things to be positive about. You should feel very good about your chances of uh, ending up healthy at the all this if you take appropriate precautions. Uh, but we also need to realize that uh, significant numbers of infected, even a low percentage uh, death rate, if the significant numbers are affected, infected, it leads to a significant number of deaths. And we're not even talking about the long-term disabilities that are coming because of this. I'm talking about long COVID, if you haven't heard about this. Because COVID, COVID just likes to find the weak part of your body and eats it all up. It likes to eat the weak part of you. It likes, it likes your renal system. That's your kidneys! Some people, it affects their fucking brains. Cardiovascular. COVID, it's gonna, it's gonna fucking, it likes to feast on the organs. Especially if you're fat, you have diabetes. Got a lot of fat people in this country. So I'm getting that. I'm getting that is a real risk. So you can do some things to get yourself healthier and protect yourself and drop some weight, eat healthier, work out a bit more, take some vitamin D, um, and not just say, fuck it, I'm going to die. But on the other hand, yes, things are getting significantly worse and they are almost to a breaking point. And your continued denial of that existence, of that rapidly approaching breaking point is, uh, is speeding along its inevitable arrival. All right, so that's the pandemic, that's the election. Let's talk about something fun. What is fun to talk about? I'm living in Salina now, Salina, Kansas. Whoop whoop. Not really. I've lived, I've lived a bunch of places. I don't like any of them. I liked New York. New York was cool. Kansas City's good. New York and Kansas City are about the only places I've been. I'd like to live. The rest of them can all burn. Not a, not a fan. Wichita. Fuck Wichita. Fuck Prague. Got a lot of hate. I got a lot of hate in my heart. Got a lot of hate in my heart for a lot of shit. Religion. Got a lot of hate in my heart for religion. Let's talk about religion on this morning is morning is breakfast this morning hell pod shit. Actually, I do want to say one note. I am a now soon to be published writer. Uh, finally got my first journal acceptance. A very minor journal, online journal. But it's my first, and uh, does any work in the test, no matter how good or bad your first is, it still is your first, and it's sweet, 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 sweet first. Actually, that's a lie, because you know I'm talking about your first time fucking. My first time was fucking awful. Gotta stop romanticizing shit that's not actually romantic. We do that. We're like humans, like uh, a tale of sweetness and nostalgia. And so instead of confronting the brutal reality of what things are and where we 
we encase them in a sheen of emotionality. Now I'm just talking about my ass. All right, religion. Why is religion stupid? Oh, we already got the David Hume last week, though. Uh, I'm... How should I say this? He, I think here's my first Jacob's list of ways to tell when something is full of bullshit. Human certainty is impossible. And I'm not going to get back into David Hume like I got last week. But human certainty is impossible. And so any system or creed or belief system or cult which mandates complete and utter total acceptance is by that mandate showing that it could not possibly have been instituted by the all-powerful deity on whose authority it claims to rest. Because no deity who created the human humanity in such a state for not even our scientific laws have complete certainty would dare demand that same kind of certain belief in something which is far less certain than even those observable and repeatable and testable scientific laws. The very, very mandate of the creed that one must say, Credo, I believe, is a proof of the worthlessness of that belief. Jacob's number two son of bullshit! Damn, we've been on this for 20 minutes and we've already covered some fucking ground! Alright, Jacob's number two son of bullshit! There is no salvation outside the church. What do I mean by this shit? Every institution, group, otherwise assortment of people, has the problem of recognizing goodness or success outside of its mandated behaviors. Thus, there is no salvation outside the church, but how do we explain the good people outside of our group? Well, we do it by saying that they, unbeknownst to themselves, are partaking in a way of our group. Uh, Islam. I'm thinking of Islam right now, so I've been reading the Quran. Look, I read, I've read, read several sutras. I've read the Bible. I'm almost done with the Quran. I've read several important texts and philosophies based on those texts. Don't hate. Don't hate. And in the Quran, you see it, it allows for good people who have not yet been exposed to the good word of Islam to still be good. It does not... In the early, in the early uh, books, I don't remember what they're called. I used to, I knew um, the early portions of the Quran, especially in the later portions of the Quran, it 
tends to be more explicit in that anyone who is exposed to Islam and rejects it must necessarily be rejecting God and his prophet. Uh, because the crucifixion laws were so manifold that one could not reject it except uh, out of a state of willful uh, evil. Uh, but in the early books, it does allow for the possibility of people uh, who are good but not Islamic uh, being admitted to eternal rest. And uh, I can't speak for all Christian religions. I know Catholicism, of which I used to be a member, uh, says that uh, people are acting good. People are acting good and righteously. Uh, they can still go to heaven. And that, in a sense, they are still acting according to the precepts of the church. And see, why is this a sign of a faulty institution? Ponder as I speak with my deep, sultry, smoky, breakfast is hell voice. Yeah. Uh, it's a sign of weakness. Uh, and I'm going to use a story. I have, I'm using a story. So I was taking a class. A class. Yeah, sometimes I have a little bit of a twang, and it's because I'm from Kansas. I'm from Kansas. Uh, I took a class. And we were reading. don't remember who we were reading. I think it was a, an Islamic philosopher, but it was a class on the literature of the Middle East and Southeast Asia. Not Southeast Asia. Yes. No, not Southeast Asia. It was a, a class on the Middle East and uh, mainland Asia. So we, we covered like uh, India. Not mainland Asia, but you know, like uh, Asia, but not, not Southeast Asia. So India. And we were covering an Islamic philosopher, I think it was. And I was trying to draw, draw similarities between him and Epictetus. Because that's what all my classes at Columbia freshman year taught me to do. Draw cultural comparisons and illustrate the similarities and acknowledge influence. Because it's all... There's no author... It's all just a big spoonful of the same globulation of human thought. There is no originality. Everything you make is a product of your culture. And that was the prevailing philosophy behind literary studies at Columbia University and widespread across most institutions of liberal arts. It is the higher ranked one, as far as my knowledge goes. And there's no room for dissension. If you agree with these thoughts, you write, put them in your paper. The professor will give you a nice little smiley face. But if you disagree with them and you try to illustrate your disagreement, the professor will write page after page of reasons why you're an idiot. Which happened to me on multiple occasions when I disagreed with the prevailing literary theories in that institution. Not that I really gave much thought to my papers, but just when I did give a fuck and tried to come up with original thought that differed from what I was being shot down by throat! That's when we got in the argument, and that's gonna be my third point. But we'll get we'll get done with that. Let's get done with number two.
There's no salvation outside the church. In this class, I tried to draw these comparisons, and my teacher was like, Jacob, you fucking idiot. Not what he said. Very smart man, actually. But I said, Jacob, look, you've, you've isolated 10%, 10% of this guy's work and draw a comparison to Epictetus. And it's not like you're wrong, but you've completely ignored the other 90%. And that what I want you to do is I want you to instead look at the same text and find all the ways that it is incompatible with Western thought. And immediately, just a whole nother world of way of looking at this guy's philosophy was open to me. And I realized this is what these, there is no salvation outside the church, all goodness that's not directly participatory in our group is still somehow part of us does. It isolates the fragment that is acceptable to that group and uh, intends you know, to claim credit for what is good, what it sees as good in that group. Um, which is just bad philosophy and thought. Instead, you should take the thing itself uh, on its own terms and admit that it may have come to what you see as morally right or intellectually correct uh, conclusions or behaviors, uh, not because it is acting how your group thinks it should see fit, but maybe because its own viewpoint on the world is internally sufficient. And, well, I mean, it's not, you know, it doesn't necessarily make a group bullshit if it engages in this sort of appropriation of goodness. It is suspect. Okay. So, number one! Ask when the group asks for the necessity of belief in a world in which complete belief impossible because knowledge is probabilities. Number two! Attempting to subsume all wanted behaviors under its own philosophical umbrella. And number three! <laughs> Look, the number third reason that you can tell a group is full of fucking bullshit! You should be very skeptical of the crap it's spitting out. <sighs> Is what arguments they choose to have. Look, if I go to Wichita, and for those who don't know, Wichita is, is the fundamentalist capital of America. There's this weird sliver, sliver of heartland from like, goes up about two thirds of the way through Nebraska, goes down south, stops just right about north of Oklahoma City, encompasses most of Kansas. You know, you start getting about to Topeka, uh, Lawrence, it starts to drift off. Its influence wanes. Dixon's a little bit in the Colorado, but it's the fundamentalist, fundamentalist uh, territory of the Union. I'm talking religious fundamentalism here. You think the South's the religious fundamentalist part. The South, the South is many things. And the South's relationship to religion is many things. 
But the South relationship to religion does not seem. Okay, this. The South is, is rather sectarian. If you talk to people in the South, they definitely do acknowledge and are very aware of the differences between their and their neighbor's faith, whatever division of Christianity they have, have adopted. Um, but I would say the relative importance of each sect's uh, tenets uh, pales in comparison to the utter importance they take uh, in my sliver of the Midwest, um, to where doctrinal, doctrinal points are, and differences are subject to endless litigation here in the middle of the country. And look, you get with a group of Catholics and you say the thing that's popular. I'm not even going to talk. I'm, I'm going to talk as a Catholic here. Let's talk as a Catholic, since Catholics are the ones I'm most familiar with. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Look. And I'm, you know, how do I put this? So we are trying to illustrate the point that uh, the only arguments that are had are with those who disagree with your prevailing philosophy is a sign that a group is full of horse shit. And... I'm going to illustrate that, but I'm going to have to bring up another idea here. And it's the idea of extra catechismal. I don't know if that's the word. Catechetical, extra catechetical, extra catechismal uh, beliefs. And so the belief that one should have a large family is one quite prevalent in the uh, fundamentalist state of America, that Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Colorado, I don't know if it even extends into Missouri. Uh, probably get some of that shit in Iowa, though. You can get some of that shit in Minnesota. <sighs> One that must have a large family is a belief which has become subsumed into several people's conception of Catholicism. Something that's regularly preached from the pulpit. Um, despite the fact that and I'm speaking as a good, card-carrying, Thomas Aquinas-reading Catholic. This fucking podcast is bonkers. <laughs> Swear I'm not high. Swear I'm not high. Um, as, a, as a proper Thomas Aquinas-reading Catholic, say I believe everything, there's an alternate conception of Catholicism where uh, due to the deteriorating state of the environment, small families are a moral imperative. Um, at the very least, to say that large families are the correct moral choice for people living a Catholic life or that even married life, it, uh, you know, this whole, you don't, you don't know probably, listener, dear listener, sweet listener, fond listener, Um, <laughs> uh, you probably aren't aware, but there's this whole other thing with locations. And if you aren't getting married and having kids, or becoming another priest right now, you're going to hell. And that's another, that's another uh, extra catechismal belief. But let's stick with the kids thing. You know, if I get in a group and I talk about how many kids I want, everyone's going to support me. But if I talk about this other thing, I talk about this other thing. 
I talk about if I said I think people should have fewer kids, and I'm talking to a good Catholic, everybody will get up in arms! And this is, some people do, right? They have their, they have their community beliefs, and when they are threatened, they rise up! And I guess why this is a sign that a group is full of bullshit is that it is a sign of not saying defensiveness is a sign of uh, poor reasoning, but defensiveness on the same points repeated over and over across the group is a sign of indoctrination and not of individual belief. Um, if everybody's getting worked up over the same shit and spouting back the same arguments to you, then it's a good sign that they're not looking at the data and they're not thinking about things for themselves and they did not come to their beliefs honestly, but instead have merely tried to retroactively justify a belief which they were told to hold. Um, which, you know, just because you are told to believe something does not make that belief you are told to believe inherently false. But an organization which relies on such methods, uh, beliefs which require uh, such a process, must should give must and should give one pause. Uh, and I personally am. Look, I've been talking about systems of faith here, but these systems can be anything. I alluded to where I went to college, Columbia University. It's an Ivy League school. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of the fact that I shit green, like I said last week. Uh, I bring it up to bring up liberal culture, uh, how academics proceeds in institutions of higher learning, since that seems to be a, a, a topic once. Also, I just like, I need to get out in the open. I just mention the name, and it sounds more douchey to mention the name and not bring up the fact that it's a highly regarded university. It's like, well, Columbia University, you must know where I went. You know, anyway. There's no good way for me to talk about it. I'm very confused. But the same systems of belief, right? The same things. You must believe certain things. Uh, certain ideas will go completely unchallenged anywhere in the institution, but other beliefs will be attacked with the exact same arguments. Those are one and three. Number two, any goodness is really a part of our goodness. There is something worthwhile in conservatism or in certain ways of thinking. It's because it partakes of the way we think of the world. Uh, I can apply this to religion, can apply it to institutions of higher learning. I can apply it to communities, physical communities, states, regions of the country. And ultimately, I think that any group which reports to have the whole truth for you is probably full of shit. Um, at best, a group supplies you with information, or a thinker supplies you with information, and there's nobody that has all the answers for you and you are only desperately clinging, clinging to those who tell you they have all the answers for you. Uh, 
uh, because you are afraid of the infinite size and inherent meaninglessness of the void which surrounds you and from which all things come into which they shall return. Or I'm an idiot! One of the two. One of the two. Um, and, you know, that almost kind of sounds like all three things I all three things I mentioned are something that all groups do. All systems of belief do it. I'm going to tie us back into the beginning. I'm going to tie it back into the beginning. <laughs> you see, people have these habits of thought. I must believe what my group believes. 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 They are the infidels. They are the And when confronted with something like politics or the pandemic, pandemic, they're unable to think for themselves because they laugh into these habits of thought. And they laugh into these habits of thought. And then when their habits of thought fail them, they freak out and claim conspiracy theories or belief in their own death or damn it all, let's go to the bars. They can't think for themselves. That's how I see it anyway. Okay, it's time for our first commercial break. This commercial break is brought to you by... Mmm, is that coffee or is that dust? Is your friend making a mean cup of coffee? But it tastes like shit? And he makes fun of you if you don't like it? Well now, is it coffee or is it dust? You open it and you can't tell. You put it in the ground, you can't tell. And if he drinks it, and he don't like it, you make fun of him. Is it coffee or is it dust? Now on sale for $5.99 a pack. This podcast also brought to you by Firewood. Firewood! You thought people didn't use it anymore, but you were wrong. Firewood. I'm on a roll! I do sympathize though with people uh, being trepidatious about the vaccine, being trepidatious about the government, being trepidatious about fraud. I get it. Because look, man, the government has lied to us. They lied to us about the post-9-11 surveillance. And they lied to us about their activities in Latin America in the 50s and 60s. They lied to us about their involvement in Iran. You know, we are a, we have a vast, unelected, very powerful segment of the government, which uh, monitors uh, our behavior, um, and whose operations, the operations of which agencies, uh, we have very little insight or knowledge uh, about, and that's enough to make anyone paranoid. So I get, I get the worry. Um, and my rule is, my rule is, look, there is, there is bullshit in the news. There is bias. 
But there are things which are takes, right? You can have an opinion on certain things. Um, and there are ways to cut data, right? There are ways to cut data. Um, and so I could see a vaccine that was 50% effective, 60% effective. Um, even then, you know, I don't really see a reason not to take it. Um, actually, that's not really good. Uh, what am I trying to get out here? Give me a sec. I get when um, people who are powerless but have viewpoints into the machinations of a group lob allegations at it um, that those should probably be given more credence than uh, the resulting negative media surrounding those tend to. Um, also in situations where facts are very limited but conclusions uh, are drawn very quickly, uh, should be met with a great deal of skepticism. But I think in the situation of uh, with the election fraud, for instance, uh, it fails one of my tests because President Trump, despite what he would have you believe, is a very powerful man. He's the goddamn president of the United States, and he has bent the GOP to his own image. Do not think that man lacks for power the ability to bring cases of fraud to light if he so wished. I think with the vaccine, we don't have limited data. We have multiple vaccines from multiple companies with well-researched clinical trials and data which will soon be made publicly available and for the scrutiny of medical professionals of every ilk and tribe. And so I don't really think that the uh, worries about these things are too warranted, although I do understand people's, uh, people's uh, trepidations. And like I said on last week's podcast, we all need to wake up in the morning and take a big, healthy fucking bowl of I don't know and accept that we don't know and quit trying to fucking pin other people's behaviors that we don't think that they should have on the worst possible uh, worst possible influences and motivations that we can conjure up, or that the worst people uh, who agree with the people we disagree with, with uh, I guess that clear. Um, or we should we should also quit ascribing. Um, there's a group that believes something that we don't agree with. Uh, quit ascribing the motivations of the worst part of that group we disagree agree with to the entirety of that group because that gets us at the very least that gets us with nowhere and, and honestly it's um almost certainly an accurate and just bad philosophy and thought all right that's gonna do us for today on this fun-filled breakfast is home podcast episode shining off bye-bye it's fucking absurd